Welcome to the Power You Podcast number five. As always, this is Ken. Dave is to my right. And today, we are fortunate enough to be joined by Coach Joe Wooten. Joe, as you know, is the athletic director and head basketball coach at Bishop O'Connell High School. Um, he is founder and head of the Wooten Basketball Camps and also co-chairman of the McDonald's All-American Selection Committee. And Joe, thanks for coming in. Uh, good to be with you. So, Joe, let's start off with maybe uh, giving a little background as to yourself in this area, basketball, etc., and then we'll get right into it. So, I, I grew up in this area. I played uh, for my father in high school, and uh, actually was in his 46-year career, one of his only two undefeated teams, and so um, was happy to be a part of that. And uh, Dwayne Simpkins, who's an assistant at Mason, Mike Jones, who's the coach at the Matha, um, were my high school teammates, so... Uh, it's amazing how basketball and sports connect you well, uh, well after your playing career ends. Um, so did that and got into coaching. Um, was a college assistant when I was 21 and came back to high school because I just enjoyed that age and took over O'Connell in 1999. I was 26 and I'm just finishing my 19th year at the school. Uh, it's a great place to be. And uh, in addition to that, all, we're kind of all basketball uh, all year long. Uh, we do Coach Wheaton's basketball camp. Overnight uh, boys and girls camps, day camps, um, tournaments, uh, training, and um, you know I think it's it's a lot of fun. I always say uh, camp is a is a fun time of the year because there's no politics. It's just kids having fun and learning how to play the game. That's great. So how, how long have the camps been going on for? Started in uh, in 1962. So I, I have to correct Ken. Right, so as the founder, I was going to say, yeah. how, how old are you, Joe? Uh, 45. <laughs> right. So a, actually, ironically, we just got a Doug McElway. I don't know if you recognize that name. He used to be an anchor at Channel 4. Mm -hmm. His son's a freshman at O'Connell. And he shared with me a video from the, from 71, which, first of all, the quality of video was a little different back then. Uh, but it, it talks about the, the day camp. So the day camp was founded in 62. Joe Gallagher and my father, Morgan Wooten, um, founded them. Um, in 83, uh, we founded the overnight camp. It was initially, the day camp was called the Metropolitan Area Basketball School. Uh, then the overnight camp was called Mason-Dixon Basketball Camp because it was up in Emmitsburg by the Mason-Dixon line and at Mount St. Mary's. And then um, when we moved it to Frostburg, uh, we renamed it Coach Wooten's Basketball Camp. And this will be our 20th summer at Frostburg. So um, it's, it's the oldest basketball camp in the United States. Um, and probably the largest if you look at the whole summer. Yeah, I spent a couple summers there myself at yeah. Mason Dixon. Yeah, there you go. It's fantastic in Mount St. Mary's. Uh, so if people want more information about the camps, where should they go? Uh, CoachWooten.com. Uh, Wooten spelled with two O's, two T's. Sounds like one. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of information on there, and uh, and find the right fit for your child, both either boy or girl. It's all-day basketball, fundamental development, guest speakers, all kinds of great stuff going on at the camps, right? Yeah, you know what's interesting is that, um, you know, my father, when I was a, a young coach, he would often say to me, remember, uh, you know, and he's been a long-time, you know, uh, chairman of the McDonald's Selection Committee, and McDonald's always says we're in the business to, to sell hamburgers. They'll have internet, they'll have the cafe, so they can sell hamburgers. So his point was is, you know, we're, we're a teaching basketball camp, so let's be the best teaching basketball camp we can. And so I think one thing that's a little different about our camp is that we actually teach where it's not just roll the ball out. Uh, there's three teaching sessions a day, and then there's optional 6 a.m. rise and grind if you mm. want to do that, optional <laughs> 9 p.m. gym rat. Kenny Tyrell would have been in bed still, but uh, <laughs> but so it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's amazing the amount of people in this area that have gone through the camps as a kid. Um, and, uh, and we often say to the coaches, people will 
always remember their coach. And if you think back, you do remember the guys that coach in, in any sport. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Uh, my son will be going for his first year of sleepaway this summer. So, yeah, I've gone through it, and then just to be in the area and have him go, it's uh, it's great continuity. I'm sure you have a lot of the same uh, things with your father that you see uh, old players have come back and, you know, remember this, remember that. I mean, it's got to be just uh, – it's amazing how sports will, will knit a community, a family, an area together like that. No doubt. And, and I think it is amazing because – um, you know, 25 years later, you don't remember every play, but you remember the camaraderie, you remember the guys. Yeah, you're not going to remember, okay, we lost game X or game Y, but you remember your teammates, the friends that you had from that team, those things are going to live much longer than win-loss record. No doubt. Most of us. Uh, now, you also, do you coach travel team as well? Yes, yeah, so I coach my children in youth sports, so I coach uh, AU basketball for my daughter. I uh, coach uh, Vienna uh, Little League for my son, and uh, and I did coach for my daughter, who's now in high school. So just enjoyed that, and it, I think it actually makes you a better coach because, um, you know, Mike Bray, who's a coach in Notre Dame, is a product of the camp, and he always says, as a coach, you're in charge of dreams. And at times you have to be a confidence giver to those dreams, and at times you have to be a reality giver to those dreams. <laughs> and I think as a coach, sometimes we forget about the confidence side and we, we just give the reality. Um, but I think, you know, telling kids that, you know, that they're, they're they can do it. You believe in them. This is how we got to do it, but you can get it done. Yeah. Athletics and the, the neck up stuff we always talk about is, you know, so vital that connection you build somebody's athletic confidence. You're going to see uh, big changes in their behavior as well. We learn about focus and hard work, dedication, and all those things that they utilize to grow in sports are going to have big-time ramifications off the court or off the field. No doubt. And, and you know, Tommy Orndorff, who's actually our softball coach at O'Connell and uh, has won 25 state titles and 20 league titles, is in the ASA Hall of Fame. He always says that uh, in order to be a good athlete, you have to have discipline, and discipline starts with self-discipline. So, um, you know, without it, it's, it's impossible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's jump into uh, McDonald's selection. That sounds like a lot of fun. What's the, uh, what's, the, what's the process? Where you, you know, are you regional, national, inter- internationally looking for kids? What's so, so basically they have to be a high school student in the United States. Okay. So they could be an international kid that has come from Canada and other parts of the world, but they have to be here for at least one year. Um, we go through a nomination process. So my wife, Terry Lynn, actually runs the nomination selection process from an administrative standpoint. And, um, and basically from September to December, you can nominate kids. It can be nominated by a high school coach, athletic director, or a member of the selection committee. Parents? Parent cannot. <laughs> parent cannot. Um, and a principal can as well. Um, so you can nominate. And then basically we go through, we have a, a, a blue ribbon, uh, you know, board of uh, selection committee members who see these young men in high school, in tournaments, in AAU, in uh, camps. And basically they go through an evaluation process. And I think it's always neat to see, um, you know, these young men come together, these young women come together, and, you know, be one of the top 24 players in the country. An, in, an interesting stat about the McDonald's All-American games are is if you have a, if you're a McDonald's All-American, you have a 60, over 60% chance of having a significant NBA career, which is three years or more. The next closest indicator is below 20%. And so actually at every McDonald's practice, um, leading up to the game, uh, every NBA team has their general manager there as well as probably two scouts. And they say it's the number one event to evaluate these young men and young women um, because 
they there never will be that same talent in the same court again. Okay. You know, you go watch North Carolina play Duke, there might be four McDonald's All-Americans or five. Uh, here there's 24. So I think it's a great proving ground for these young men and women. So, uh, you're not going to believe this, but I was not a McDonald's All-American. Very close to playing when I was growing up. Um, you're at McDonald's. Probably, <laughs> I wasn't into the hamburgers. Um, talk about AAU basketball then. You know, as a, as a lead in, I know that's a hot topic nowadays. So, what do you see in AAU basketball? And I know kids are starting earlier and earlier, and um, you know, those are some decisions that mom and dad have to make. So, what do you see there? So, I, I think that the good thing you get out of AAU basketball is game experience. I think you learn how to, I think every team um, that takes off, I remember my daughter's team. We lost by 30, couldn't get the ball over half court. Um, but there's kind of a, a baptism by fire. And so you have to learn how to develop these skills, develop a competitive edge. And um, so I think that's a very good thing about AAU. Um, you know, I, I think this, I think AAU is such a broad term. Um, the, 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 the one positive I see is I see, again, that game experience. I think if you have the right coach that's uh, – dedicated to the fundamentals that can develop the skills of the kids, the IQ of the kids. Um, the one negative is if you play all the time, winning doesn't matter. And, and again, I don't think it's win at all costs, but I think it's a winning effort and competing to win. Um, so the, the negative that I think some coaches see is that if you lose at 10, you play at 2, no big deal. Um, and if you lose at 2, you play at 4. Um, so, again, I think you need to, as a coach, uh, be interested in development, and I think that's important. Um, so I think, I think that's good as far as AU. The bad can be, um, you know, like anything else, I think, you know, the advantage of a high school team is that you're, you're going to have to report to a principal. A principal is going to report to a superintendent. So there's a level of oversight so that it, it's within the mission of the school and the mission of, of, the, of the county or, or, or the like. Um, I think the one thing that I see as a negative is sometimes maybe you could have a, a coach that has no oversight. Um, and then number two, I think the other negative is that everybody wants to just, if I can't, if I'm not going to start on this team, then I'll go play for the next team. And if I don't start on that team, I'll play for the next team. So I think, you know, again, everything's within, um, you know, everything's relative. You want to pick a team, pick a coach that you like, um, you think is going to develop them. And it's not all about how many points you score. It's not all about being the star. It's about development and getting better over time. The, the, I always use the travel soccer example. Um, we, I've, I've seen travel soccer where they just, they praise athleticism, 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 but they, uh, necessarily don't praise it, it, in my experience, uh, the, the hard work, the discipline, the getting better. And so what ends up happening is they just kind of cater to the, the best athletes. I think you can teach someone how to be a better athlete and don't get me wrong. We all want good athletes, good talent. But I've seen kids that if in third grade are praised for their talent, then by the time they're in eighth grade, they haven't developed that work ethic. Sometimes the kid that's not as good at third, fourth, fifth grade has to become determined, has to work harder, and that in turn makes them a better player down the road. Um, you know, we have a, a great example. Um, there's a, a young man who's played for us named Matt Becht, um, great shooter, and he never made an A team his entire life but he's got a full scholarship to college. But I think that also built him into the determined player that he became. So I think it, there's there's a value in not always just catering to talent, um, encouraging, you know, that talented player to work hard. I think, you know, that's the values we're getting out of youth sports, and we can't get away from that um, overall. 
Yeah, no, especially the kids, you know, the third grader that shoots up early, mm-hmm. and his parents might be 5'10", 5'11", but that kid's playing center on all his youth sports teams. They're saying, okay, we're playing a 2-3 zone, you stand in the middle, and on offense, you go down to the low block, we're going to throw the ball down to you, you catch and turn, win the basket. And then three years later, that kid's probably not playing basketball anymore, because he hasn't developed any of the skills that he needs to be that's 5'10". <laughs> Guard and what he's going to grow into. Correct. So. Yeah, and, and and one thing I think is as a coach, like you're, it's incumbent upon you to again not be all about winning. I think in the game you want to compete to win and you want to teach them to compete to win. But it's it's I always judge coaches on do their teams get better. If your team gets better, then I think you're doing a good job. And and that's that's not necessarily all about winning. Um, it's about getting better. And I think if you focus on that, I think winning becomes a byproduct. So age-wise, is there, obviously, it's going to vary from team to team, but sort of the, the balance of fundamental work versus, I mean, if you want to play games and tournaments, you can probably, you can play a tournament every weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you figure the, the right balance of developing the kids and their fundamentals and putting them in these tournaments? Is it you read the team, see where they are, or you feel like there are certain age groups where they, once they reach a certain point, they are ready for twice a month, three times a month tournaments? So what we, we try to do it <clears throat> with our youth team is probably try to go about twice a month because, again, a lot of them are playing multiple sports, which we can talk about, which I think is a very good thing, especially at a young age. Um, I think that's number one. Number two, I think that they have to get that game experience to know what they need to work on. So I think having a week off, like we play two tournaments in a row, and then we take a weekend off right. so that we have two weeks of practices to try to get better. Um, you know, what I always try to do is we have an hour and a half practice twice a week, the first 30 minutes is going to be a lot of shooting, um, a lot of skill work. And then what we're going to do is we're going to try to play controlled scrimmages. And the idea that we might go 10 possessions, there's there's a penalty for the losing team, um, and we might be working on our half-court offense. We might be working on our half-court defense. We might be working on our uh, fast break, uh, transition, transition D, transition O. So I think one thing that I think kids need to do in a controlled practice setting is you know, I, I think teaching them less plays and more how to play is really important. Um, so, for example, one thing we'll do in practice is we'll have two lines and we'll we'll work on the cuts that come out of our offense and we shoot out of those. And they can seem very basic. But in the end, if you can pass and cut and drive and kick and make open shots, that's pretty good basketball. So, um, you know, an interesting thing, Vic Bubis, who, uh, who was the head coach at Duke, uh, back in the 60s and took them to the national championship game. They didn't win the title. They lost to UCLA. He, uh, he helped our, start our coaching clinic with my father and Joe Gallagher in the 60s, which still goes on today. And um, he would always say, Morgan, take out a, a uh, legal pad of paper, the yellow legal pad, and draw a line down the middle and write the word player on the right side and write the word coach on the left side. And every time that someone scores because of your coaching genius, put a check mark next to the coach. <laughs> and every time a player scores because they're a pretty good player, put a check mark near the players. Where all the, where all the check marks are going to be by the player. <laughs> so, again, I think one of the, our job is is spacing. Um, our job is uh, teaching them. You know, like one thing that's in, really important, we work on reads. So the idea is, you know, I, I'm driving hard to the basket. There's help. I turn. I kick out. Um, and there's a we, we use something Villanova uses called the Nova Pivot where we – lean on our front foot, turn and step with that same foot to make it an effective pass. But 
the idea being is that the, the next time they might be able to get all the way to the rim. So I think if we can teach them how to play and less sets and less uh, set plays, I think you're going to be better off. So you touched on a little bit. Um, specialization. So we see uh, kids that, that are early ages that I'm going to be a baseball player, and that's what they work on year-round. Or someone that says, okay, I'm going to be a basketball player. And they're every day they're out there dribbling, they're working right, they're working left, they're playing on multiple travel teams, they're just playing basketball. Uh, the balance of the fear of sort of falling behind the kids that are doing that versus building a sort of a broad athletic base where odds are you're not going to be a basketball scholarship athlete or ever earn a living for doing that. The benefits of having that broader athletic foundation, uh, longer term versus potential short-term glory, we'll call it, because for lack of a better word, you're, where you developed your left hand and right hand, you suddenly have uh, a sort of faster growth acceleration than some of the other kids. Uh, where do you come down on the benefits of specialization in, in terms of the hard work and improvement uh, versus the negatives of either overuse injury or just the lack of kids having that broader base of, you know, so they're 14, they don't know the rules of football or something. Right, you know, and, and I think this, I think that I, I would kind of categorize it uh, eighth grade and below, I think is, is should you should not specialize. Now, for example, I think kids find, can you play nine sports? No, that's the, that's, but I think having, you know, two or three that you're playing and you enjoy, um, I think that actually makes you a better athlete because in the end, um, athleticism is something that benefits every sport. Um, so I think, you know, uh, you know, like for example, you mentioned baseball. Someone might say we have to pick between lacrosse and baseball. Well, you know what? Um, they're both involve hand-eye coordination. They both involve uh, a skill with a, either a stick or a bat in your hand. So I think that you know, especially at a young age, keeping that variety makes it fun for the kids. And I've seen kids go through ebbs and flows. They like one sport more, and then they pick up another one. We have a kid named Jack Prophet who's was a was a baseball player, starting sophomore outfielder. And didn't play this year, and because I think you got burned out from it. So I think it's that balance of, you know, maybe having two or three sports that you like to play and working on them. And I think this, I think that if you were, it, it, you know, the old ten thousand hours argument that it takes ten thousand hours to become a great shooter, a great stick skills, a great hitter, um, that's true. But in the end, is you know, if you, I always say this, if you know, at camp, is how many of you all. Uh, would love to be a great basketball player, and they all raise their hand. How many would you love to be a great lacrosse player? And how many want to be known as a great TV watcher? And they all laugh. But the, the, the point is, is that, you know, put down the TV, work on your batting for 20 minutes, work on your wall ball for 20 minutes, and work on your shooting for 20 minutes. That That's 40 minutes. And so I think, again, it's the consistency every day of working on your skills. It's And I, I don't believe that, if you took those 40 minutes and batted for the, that entire 40 minutes, that that player is going to be that much ahead. Cause the other one's going to, what they lose in skill, they gain in athleticism, um, especially at a young age. Now when you get to high school, maybe you start to specialize. Um, and I think it's just because of the wear and tear on the body. We have, we have a young man who plays um, football and basketball for us right now. And he's a unique uh, guy. And actually Cam Moore, who got drafted by the saints in the sixth round, was my starting uh, two guard uh, when he was in high school. I knew he was going to be a football player, but he could he could certainly defend and, and get guys involved. So, um, so I think you know again that it's that balance. Um, and again, 
you know, what I've seen over and over again is everyone's looking for the next LeBron, the next, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, Bryce Harper. They're looking for the next, you know, Gary was it the Gate brothers at, at uh, Syracuse for lacrosse. So, but in the end, I think those kids are kids that develop into good players. And a majority of kids I see have success at high school level, maybe weren't the best athlete when they were third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Um, and I'm not saying the best athlete can't be successful, but again, it's that the qualities that you're getting from youth sports. So when you see that in youth sports, Joe, um, the schedule is brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to play on a basketball team um, or baseball team or whatever, lacrosse, whatever, soccer, etc., the pressure is insane based on the schedule. Right, so I'm going through that with my kids right now. I got 11 year old and twins that are eight, and um, and I have young, young kids as well. So, um, how do you navigate? What would be your thoughts on navigating that? Because right now, I look at it from the standpoint of it's almost impossible to play more than two sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in an in individual season, I think it probably is impossible to play two. I'm, my my fifth grader tried to play three and you know missing everything. So I think two a season's got to be the max. Um, you know, for example, you're if your your son's playing AU basketball and then's playing majors for being a little league, right? Right. right. And so you know that, that's that's a full time job on, for the parent and for the kid. Um, but again, I think it's 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 actually a good thing in terms of teaching them both. Um, and again, it's teaching them time management. You have to sometimes. I think one thing that parents sometimes don't always acknowledge is that in life you have to make a decision between two good choices. Um, it's not always a good choice and a bad choice. It's sometimes I, I have a, a conflicting game, and maybe you have to just say we're going to prioritize ba- baseball today, and basketball is going to get the, the nod the next time there's a conflict. So I think you have to balance those two. But it is a challenge, um, and I and I think again, you know, I always ask this at camp, but I always ask how many of you work with trainers, and everybody raises their hand, nice and proud. We you know we work with a trainer, but then I'm like, if you only work when you're with your trainer, you'll never become a player. Because, and, and again, I think this is one of the things that's not talked about a lot is I think training is a good thing, but I also think working on your own is a good thing. Like one thing I always feel like we give the kids at camp is that we teach them how to work on their own. Because the, I think one thing that's not talked a lot about now is trainers. Trainers never have to make a sub. Trainers never have to decide playing time. Trainers are, are always now, you know, they're just skill-based, which is a good thing, but now they, they can almost you know, um, do the kid a disservice if they're only working out with them. You know, getting training a couple days a week and working on your own, I think, is that balance. So I think everything's a balance, um, you know, as well. So I would like to switch gears a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, Because having you come in, I wanted to talk about um, playing sports in high school. Where when I felt like when we were growing up, that was the end all be all right being on your high school varsity team i would like to get your comments on the feeling of maybe that's not nearly as important as it is to play in your travel team when you get at that 15 16 17 8 year old age group so i mean i I think there has been a shift Uh, i think one of the things is has been you know that college scholarships are coming through the travel teams and whether it's called club a you travel whatever it is for the different sports um you know, so I think so many times that's where the coaches are going to be seen. And 
you know, the interesting thing is, is the NCAA, um, I was actually talking to John Beeline the other day, and he was getting on a conference call with Coach of Michigan, and the NCAA is even looking at having where uh, USA Basketball would run tournaments, but you would have to be on your high school team um, on the basketball side. And, and the reason being is that right now there's a call savings for the colleges to go to one tournament and see all the good players versus going to Madison and Marshall and O'Connell and, um, you know, Oakton and, and Paul the Six and different schools in this area that they then have to watch each individual player. So I think, I think there, there's a factor there. But, you know, the interesting thing is on the soccer front, um, there's some of these, the, the DA, the development academies, developmental academies that don't let their kids play. Um, I think they're missing the part that David said of sports. It's, it's not just all about a scholarship. My thought is this. If you're good enough to get a scholarship, you're going to be good enough. Uh, you're going to be skilled enough. You're going to get better. Uh, you're going to have had a game experience. There's no magic recruiting service. There's no magic um, you know, call that's going to be made. Um, in the end, if, if I, uh, for example, I was talking to John Beeline about a player. If I'm telling him about Ken Tyrell, he's not as excited as if I'm telling him about a player that, you know, or Joe Wooten, <laughs> um, you know, they're not as excited. So, you know, you have to have that skill level in whatever sport there is um, in order to, in order to make it. And so I think, I think, you know, I think it's going to shift back because there is, you know, and I always, you know, it's interesting. I think sometimes parents get that check the box mentality. Well, if I do X, Y, and Z, my kid's guaranteed a scholarship. Um, to me, that's not the, if my child ever played in college, that's got to be their thing. It's not my thing. And, you know, if it's a cost savings, well, how much money are they spending on travel baseball to get them to that free college education? Probably balances each other out in the end. So it's got to be about the experience and not about just the end goal. Yeah, and it's got to be the kid's decision. I mean, like you are saying before, working with a trainer one or two times a week, it's not going to get you there. You have to have the discipline to go out and say, okay, I'm going to work on these fundamentals on my own. You're going to have that, that drive on your own to improve, to keep working. Uh, if you just think, okay, I'm going to play in this team and work out with the trainer because my parents are paying for it and sending me here, it's probably not going to work out the way expect. Exactly. And, and again, I, I'm not saying training's bad because you can get a tip here, a tip there. And again, but, and, and, you know, it's a, a buddy of mine who's not a sports guy, but is a sports fan. He says playdates uh, has, has ruined the world because the idea is that everything's organized for the kids. Like, where's the leadership ability? Um, where's the ability to take initiative? Um, you know, and, and I think, again, that's things that you learn in sports is that it's not just always doing what the coach said. There's a time I got to go up to my teammate and say, let's go. We can do this. Um, you know, or, hey, Ken, get, get your head up. You just struck out, but you're going to hit the next one. And, and, again, that communication that I think is so important in, in sports. No, that's a great line. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, okay, I met somebody in school. I want to I hang out with them. All right, mom, get me this, the other mom's number, and let me talk to them. You know where they live? You get on their bike and ride over there. Right, exactly. I remember, now I, it's, doesn't, I, I remember my mom would say, uh, I don't care what you do, just you're out of the house until six o'clock, you know, and, and that was the way things were. They didn't want you at home. Um, and so again, there's, and it, uh, you know, I often say this not to be political, but m most people in America want moderate solutions. They're not far right or far left. And I think that's the same thing with, with youth sports is just don't be too extreme either way. You know, you do have to expose your kids to it. You do have to get them involved, but if you go the other way, then that's not good either. So I think overcorrection either way is not good.
Yeah, I just saw uh, some article about a new a new team hangs out in Frederick, where it's three on three. There's no coaches, no practices. That, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but I think that's it's. I'm sure the kids have a great time, and it's for younger kids. But it's not going to work when the kids get a little bit older. There, right. There's some need. There's some need of a, of a moderate solution. Correct. Correct. When there's a, they need a little bit of guidance. I'm sure the kids are having a great time when they're six, seven, eight. But if you're a 12 year old, you're not going to get that much better unless you have somebody who knows what they're talking about. So okay, why don't you try this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I agree completely. A moderate solution gets you a lot further than pushing one one side of the extreme. And it, you know what's interesting is that it, it. I think players need to know that that you believe in them and I think players need to have fun. Like we say at our camp to our staff, every, our goal is that they love basketball more at the end of the week than they do at the beginning of the week. How do we do that? We have fun and we teach them how to play. Now we're, we're doing contests, we're competing, we're doing fun things and we're playing a lot of basketball. But in the end, if, if it's all work, it's not You're not going to have fun. I had, I had an English teacher that said to me, um, one time he said, if you can get someone to play in what they're doing, you'll have their intense focus. So if they're playing, you know, no one's more dialed in than, you know, watching the, the Capitals play last night. Everybody's watching that game, and they're probably so focused. Um, if you're in the batter's box, you have to be focused. Um, you're shooting the ball, you're focused. Um, you may not always be as focused in math class. Um, so, again, I think if you get someone to play, I think they're going to be in great shape. So let's talk about some things. Um, sort of. The, the, along the lines of with the trainer, when do you get into the non-basketball thing for your kids? When you work on strength, you're talking about nutrition, recovery, there's other sort of complementary things that uh, help build the kids' athleticism, help them grow. Was there an age you start working with them on those things, or is it sort of by the kid? Do you involve parents? So, so I, I think, I, and again, I would kind of classify eighth grade and below in one way, and mm-hmm. then I would classify ninth grade and above in another way. So let's start with eighth grade and below. I think as a coach, you have to do things that make them more athletic, uh, things like line jumps, things like uh, sprints where they're changing direction and teaching them. It's amazing to me how kids won't change direction in the right way. They, they, they round the, the change rather than pivot and turn. Um, so I think th- those are things that you can do as a coach. Um, you know, one of the things – Jumping rope teaches hand-eye coordination. We do something called the crab run where you run with the ball in a figure-eight fashion in your legs. And so then you can teach athleticism. Like we do line jumps in practice. We do quickness drills in practice. Um, and I think that's important. I think you can do it in baseball too. Um, you know, qu- quickness to the ball, quickness of foot when you're, when you're making a throw, just really emphasizing certain things. So I think that becomes more athletic. I think push-ups are good. I think sit-ups are good. Um, but they're young. I mean, you know, I don't think you want them lifting weights. Um, I don't, I don't think you want them on a nutrition plan, but I think you do want to teach them how to eat healthy. And then when we move to high school, we have our players keep a log, um, of, of what they're eating. And it's amazing. They're they're eating enough, but they're not eating great things. They're eating pop tarts. They're eating fries. They're eating, Mm -hmm. you know, and let's be honest, uh, we, I probably wasn't great in high school either. So I think again, trying to get them, to kind of take ownership and think about what they're eating and having, you know, a balanced diet and a healthy diet. Um, I think that's important. And then, you know, I think the big thing with weights is a commitment to it. I think if you're going to be really good at weights, um, you have to, you have to be consistent with it. And I think anything, again, 
you know, there's that balance. One thing I, we have not done a good job of is lifting during the season as a maintenance lift. I think we do a good job in the off season, but we do more of an average job, and that's something we got to get better at. Yeah, the amount of new information recently on how to develop athletics and athletes is amazing. And I, I read stuff and I go, man, if I, if I knew that when I was in high school, uh, you know, there was nothing. It was how much can you bench? You know, you ran the mile. Right. And that, that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else. Uh, so any new innovations that you try to put into with, with your high school team? older kids so i mean you, speaking of that you know it's interesting is um i'm a big believer in quickness um i think quickness of foot quickness of hand um is a lot more important than jumping ability um i think like i had a player named dave neal he, he played at the university of maryland was mvp at maryland as a as a senior and uh, was first team all met and he could jump about over this paper um but he was really quick to the ball he had a nose for the ball so i think quickness is really you know really important in almost any sport it's not necessarily, you know, I always say this mellow Trimble who played at Maryland, played for us. He couldn't win a race up and down the court, but he was incredibly quick at starting and stopping and changing direction. He was good in small spaces. So I think if you think about athleticism, that's really important um, to be quick in small spaces. Um, so I think anything you can do to enhance quickness, I think, is, is really good. Um, I also think you have to watch the Todd Marinovich, you know, the idea that, that it, it's, it's the dad – you know, it's the dad driving the kid. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I think, um, you know, you have to ignite the spark in the kid, the excitement in the kid. Um, and I think if you can do that, that's a great thing. Um, and, and you know, and again, not make it robotic, not make it regimented. Um, you know, and I, I think this, you see this as kids come into high school, you know, maybe all of a sudden they start to take their, their body more seriously, you know, as an athlete, you know, Whereas maybe when they're younger, they're not really understanding that as much. So I think, again, that there's that fine balance. Right. And these young kids bounce back from almost anything. They can eat that diet of Pop-Tarts and gummy bears, and most of them will be all right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny. I think, you know, I, you know, I, I think this, it, the, the balance of being a parent, the balance of being a coach is taking information because there's so much information now and knowing what's important. Um, you know, one of the big things that, that we do is – basketball has become very analytical, you know, baseball became, you know, the money ball movie sure. where things very analytical. And so I think starting to understand, you know, that certain things do drive the way people play. Like I'll never recruit a non-shooter again in basketball, because if you can shoot the basketball, it's a difference maker. It spreads the court. It's spacing. Mike Brown, who's the coach of the Warriors, uh, associate head coach who ended up coaching the finals last year uh, for a game or so. He's a good friend of mine. And, he tells me Kerr is is ad, like very laid back, but is adamant about spacing. Is adamant about you know um, keeping the court space so it creates driving lanes and again their ability to shoot the basketball. So I think there is a good information out there, um, you know. But I think you can also become information overload too because uh, you know sometimes and it works different for different teams. You know what might work for player A. And his understanding may not work for player B. Um, and so I think, again, it's that balance. It's that feel for the game um, that you have to have. Um, really know what's going on there. So now shifting gears again, to, to back to the kids. Uh, when you see, and you see lots of young kids coming through the camps, are there gaps you see in their abilities that you think are getting missed 
Uh, there are kids coming in, they all, you know, shooting two-hand push shots from half court. So, uh, so, so I do. I, I, I think kids don't work on shooting enough. I think it is a, um, it is, you know, getting that elbow underneath, getting them to snap their wrist. Um, you know, and it's, you know, one of the big things that I see is I, I always call it kind of, I'm a big believer. We do this every day in practice for my AAU team. We do it for our high school team is we shoot about eight footers right around the rim and we shoot jump shots. Cause what I want the players to do is get the feel for, um, how to shoot the ball with lift from their legs. And I think a lot of guys use their arms to get it there. Um, and it's, it's ironic that Tommy Wonder, who I mentioned before, has three keys for hitting, and he's adamant about those. And, um, you know, and so, again, being very basic, because I think shooting's a simple motion. I think hitting's a simple motion. So getting them to focus on three things and then just repeating that, repeating that. So I think shooting is an area, um, obviously a big area is um, young men not knowing how to play. Like one thing we, when you went to camp, we probably had a one-on-one tournament where you played Ken, and if you lost, you sat out the rest of the period. Now we do one-on-one, which is continuous, and you play to a point. We do two-on-two out of the ball screen, continuous. We do three-on-three. And I think that might be the best part of what we do at camp um, because we're teaching them how to play. Um, And we've all seen as a coach, uh, you know, people laugh at me. They say, well, you're going to teach a seven-year-old how to scream. Well, at what point do you, did you learn to read? You, you don't learn to read in an instant. It's, it's that constant repetition of, you know, short sounds and then longer words and then reading. Sure. And so you grow into reading. I think you grow into becoming a better IQ and, and you, you, repetition teaches that. So I think um, teaching kids how to play, kids knowing how to play, shooting ability, offhand is always uh, big. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I, I think kids um, – Kids that, you know, again, have a genuine love for the game. Um, and I, I think if you can inspire that in kids, you're going to get a lot more out of them than, than telling them, uh, you know, they got to be Todd Marinovich if that's the best example. <laughs> yeah, that's a, the cautionary tale. Exactly. <laughs> uh, zone defense. Kids under a certain age, when you see, uh, I know we use AAU to incorporate club travel, everything. Um, I mean, starting in, you know, second and third grade, these kids are playing, you know, it's a two-three zone, biggest kids sit in the middle. You have an issue with that? You think that hampers development? Do you see, uh, when you see the kids that come up for your team in high school, if they've learned how to play man-to-man, are they better defenders if they come out of a man system as opposed to one that's played, they've only played zone for 10 years, and now they uh come into high school and they have to sort of relearn some defensive fundamentals? So, I, you know, I think that being, we've been talking about developing athleticism, I think playing man-to-man makes you a better athlete. And I think not, you know, it makes you move, it makes you have a feel for the game, understand, um, you know, where what the help side is, what the strong side is, um, get a feel for how many passes away you are. So I, I think this, um, I think at a young age, like for example, at our camp, we do exclusively man-to-man. Um, and I think that again teaches them to be better athletes, uh, better feel for the game. Now, obviously, you know, I, I think it also teaches bad shooting habits because kids get out to the three point line and they have to just throw the ball because they don't have the strength. I know USA basketball has come out with having a lower basket, a smaller ball until you're 12 years old, which they've just introduced. Um, but, uh, I think that is something that's good for the game, but I, and I know like uh, Vienna House League, you can't play zone. I think that's a good, healthy thing. 
Um, so I think that's really good. But again, there's times for zone when they get sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, you know, I think you got to have both. Um, but at a younger age, I definitely would encourage um, encourage man to man, just better athleticism. Um, and and again, I, I think being able to switch defenses is good as you get older. All right, you want to learn where you're supposed to be in the court for man, switch to two, three, or jump to one, three, one. Exactly, yeah. And, and I also say this, like, I, I remember I gave a, a, a clinic for Vienna youth coaches for their house league, and I said, what I'm showing you may not help you win a game on Saturday, but it may make give you better players when you're in eighth grade. And so, again, I mean, that's the balance of coaching is, you know, uh, do people really remember? We always joke with co- coaches at camp. We want them to be competitive, but if we're like, at the staff meeting, we say if anybody needs to say they won the Big East Championship in week five of Coach Wheaton's <laughs> camp in 2017, you can put that on your resume. But trying to emphasize the point, you know, um, you know, again, in the moment you want to compete, but keep it, keep it in perspective, um, you know, and, and I think that's the balance is, again, get better throughout the week, you know, um, get better throughout the season. If you see it, I think one of the neatest things as a coach, I coach girls, and I've coached obviously boys my whole life, but girls need to know they believe you can, that you believe in them and that you believe they can do it. And I've taken that to coaching. You'd ask me when I started at O'Connell, did I think a player needed confidence? I would say absolutely not. You know, they, they, they build their own confidence. But I do think now as I've coached longer is the more that you can give them that confidence while telling them what they need to do, you can get a, a lot better, uh, you know, result out of them and help them believe in themselves. So talking about basketball and then talking about O'Connell in the, uh, I think the 19 years you've been there, um, be a little bit remiss if you didn't talk about the WCAC and basketball in this area, because it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, it is, uh, it's a great league, great coaches. Um, you know, I always say this, what makes it really unique is that, um, you know, we went on a 10 game win streak in the middle of the season and we played, uh, Gonzaga at their place. We lost to them on a tip-in with literally one second to go. We beat Ireton. We lost to PBI. They hit some two, uh, two tough three-point shots. And then we played DeMatha, beat them. We beat Riken, beat them. Played St. John's in overtime, beat them. Then we came back and played Ireton again. Um, then we played Gonzaga at home and beat them. I mean, we, you know, so the, the point is, is, is the kind of the gauntlet you have to go down to play everybody. And then in addition to that, you know, we're playing, we played in uh, like Torrey Pines. We're going to the beach ball at San Diego, Myrtle Beach. Um, so you're playing against great teams. And so I think it, it, it kind of tests you, you mentally. Um, you know, I, I always say this, if, you know, if you play one tough game, you know, every two weeks, not as hard. You're playing game after game after game. That's the, that's the, uh, the, the challenge and the rigor of the WCAC. And the talent is unreal. The talent is unreal. I mean, it, 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 you get players that um, that uh, that I think really do a good job of, of, of having great skill. Um, you know, I, I always say this. I think the one thing that's changed is that we're in the business, uh, and I say we, youth sports are of crowning the next Mia Hamm, the next, you know, uh, LeBron, uh, the next Bryce Harper. And so what ends up happening is, we forget about those kids that are going to develop as juniors and seniors. And so I actually really look for those kids because I think they're more coachable. 
Um, they haven't been told every day since they were in fifth grade that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, um, you know, there, there's a value and they're a little bit more coachable, a little bit more open to coaching. I think they can develop a lot. Any thoughts on that one and done rule? You know, I, I actually think, you know, if I came into this office right now and said to you, Ken and Dave, I have a deal for you, for your child uh, to work in the computer industry, and he's going to make $9 million. Um, would anybody say that's a bad thing? Um, so I think sometimes we get on our high horse is if the market gives them that money, I think they should go. Um, I like more what baseball does, and I think the NBA is moving towards this with college, um, where if somebody wants to go right away, let them go. I mean, that, that if they want to chase that, but if somebody wants to go to college, then they probably should, should go to college and, and be there for two or three years. Um, you know, a, a good example, I think there's a kid named uh, Darius Baisley who was a McDonald's kid this year. He is not going to college. The one and done still exists, so he's going to the G League. Um, now, would I want my child to do that? No, I think there's a lot of risk there. Um, but again, I, I think, um, you know, no one should fault somebody for doing that. And, and I think, you know, the reality is this is I think sometimes the NCAA gets on their high horse. Uh, it's a business. The NCAA is not about college education. It's about business. And so I think if these young men want to take a business opportunity, you can't fault them for that. Um, and again, making you know very good money. But now they're obviously the select few. Um, and I, I think there's a great stat. There's 515,000 high school varsity basketball players in the United States. Uh, there's 13,000 Division One players. There's 64 rookies in the NBA each year. Do the math. It's 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 not a, it's not a, if you're going to invest, that's not a great investment. Um, and and again, I, you know, a, a be, great example is Markel Fultz, who went to the math. He was on the JV team as a sophomore in high school. Three years later, he was the number one pick in the NBA draft. Um, and you know, again, I I, I think sometimes um, you know. Again, we can't force development, and you know sometimes it's okay to fail. I think you learn by failing. Uh, you learn by striking out. You learn by missing shots. Uh, and uh, again, if, it, if the emphasis is on the right thing, um, you know, uh, I think I think it's really important. Well, um, Dave, unless you have anything else you want to add. Um, no, I think that's correct. Uh, Joe, thanks for coming in. Give us a quick commercial again for the Wooten Camp. Um, so we have we have we have the largest uh, basketball camp I believe in the United States. We have about four thousand kids come through a summer, and I think one of the reasons we're popular is because we teach the game. Uh, kids get a life experience. You go to Frostburg, you get uh, you get uh, money on your uh, meal card, and you can go to Chick Fil A, <laughs> and you can uh, go to Starbucks, and you can hang out with your friends in a very safe environment. So I think there's a life experience side. Um, and, and again, I think it goes back to the value of a coach. Uh, we get a great staff and those coaches, you're with that same coach all week. And so by the end of the week, you know, if that coach can connect with you and help you grow, I think you're going to be in great shape. Right. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. Great. I can't, if they want to find the uh, power, you and then so, if you want to find the Power You podcast, go to www.poweryoukids.com. You can check us out there, see the other podcasts. Any uh, suggestions, questions, etc., you can email us at info at Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Have a good day.